Ladies and gentlemen, the stylings of Mr. Scat Leggett. Um, the crowd goes wild. <laughs> the crowd, all three of them. Uh, yeah, yeah. My cats uh, liked it. Hi, Bailey. I'm sorry. You said hi. And I, oh, I just uh, said, hey. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Hey, hey, good. It's good to see your three faces. We normally uh, record our first and second episodes at the same time. Well, not normally. Sometimes it, it, it pans out this way. But it's been broken up a, a couple off. times. And so we've let these... Yeah, but we, we it's nice to kind of have that week to sit on things, rethink things. I feel like I keep skipping. Am I skipping? No. Okay, mm. because you guys keep freezing and unfreezing, oh. and it's it's a little I bit mean... of like a fun like mime show, but at the same time, like really stressful. <laughs> I'm in a box. <laughs> if you if if our listeners could see, it's a hilarious. This bit. is great, it's a great for bit. the it's radio, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's Kelly's basically... lifting the window. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it read. It read. 
<laughs> totally right. Totally right. Uh, we're, we're so stupid. Uh, we're the best. We're stupid, but we're also the best. We really yeah. are. So we're the best stupid. <laughs> like, that's kind of stupid. <laughs> I doubt we have any new listeners on this episode because it's the second part of an episode. How but we might have doing? had people that started on, on part one. So it's, it's nice to show them our silly and hopefully they'll come back for more. Right. Uh, but hi. Welcome. Hey. Welcome to Theater Theater, the theater podcast for theater nerds made by three theater makers from the L.A. theater scene. I'm Jay Bailey Bertram. I'm C.J. Merriman. And I'm Scott Leggett. That's right. And each week we get together to discuss, <laughs> debate, and disseminate the evolutions of the great play, play, playwrights by taking a macro look at three of their plays. And this is part two of our mini-series covering the works of S.L.P. Susan Laurie Parks. That's yeah. right. It's Hello. Top Pod, Under Pod. Uh, today we're going to be finishing up our discussion on Top Dog, Underdog, and we're going to talk a little bit about Book of Grace, another play of hers, and as well as the United States versus Billie Holiday, a Hulu movie that uh, got a lot of uh, mixed reviews. Yeah. To say the least. Yes. Uh, but also mm -hmm. got an Oscar, so that's fine. Uh, this week, <laughs> we're joined by, again, just like in part one, my dear friend, the activist artist, the amazing, the incredible, the beautiful soul, the Hallow Queen, the Afro-Bohemian <laughs> nymph. Yes, yeah. it's yeah. Kelly Williams, everyone. Hooray! Yeah. 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 Oh, that's <laughs> Yeah, her spooky Back. man. What's his name? He's the. Okay, he's... This is the mayor. The mayor. The mayor. Yeah. From a nightmare before Christmas. I was about to say. I I know he's he he's in office somehow. Yeah. in the town. Yeah. Um, I just I know this is a weird digression, but I just I have to ask because we have the Hallow Queen here, so I just want to know, <laughs> um, Kelly, what is like your favorite? I mean, maybe it's Nightmare, but like, what is your mm -hmm. favorite sort of spooky, Halloweeny, mm -hmm. scary, maybe horror, but not necessarily, uh -huh, you know, uh -huh. what is, what's your favorite movie in that genre? Gosh, it's so tough because <laughs> like, you know, for like, for instance, like Nightmare Before Christmas just reminds, gives me the same Christmas feeling of like, yep. oh, it's like so cute and right. fun. Like, yep. I, it's like quirky and weird. Um, if I want to be like scared, um, I'm going to go for the exorcism. I love like demonic, <laughs> like oh. demon, like exorcist, like yep. movies. Like those are just like my jam. So the conjuring series. Mm. Um, but then, uh, if I want like to be in a, so I do like the period pieces, you know, like my family comes from like new Orleans. So I love like that oh, Southern yeah. kind of like. You know who do who do stuff um, like the skeleton keys good with that. Uh, yeah. um, underrated but, film that. Yes, it is oh, an yeah. underrated. It is an underrated film. It is an yeah. underrated film. Yeah, sure. it is. Yeah, so it kind of runs. You know, I like scary period pieces and the cartoon ones. Are always fun. Tim Burton. Mm -hmm. problematic, but I still love me some Tim Burton and, sure. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, yeah. Alfred Hitchcock. I always I can watch. Alfred Hell Hitchcock yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I also right. own way too many of his uh, DVDs. <laughs> <laughs> That's love awesome. I love it. I love it. The best kind of people have Alfred Hitchcock on their right? shelf. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, specifically, I have one. I have a really good Blu-ray transfer of one called Lifeboat. Do y'all know a movie? Oh, Lifeboat? Lifeboat. There's no. a. It's it's my awesome. favorite Hitchcock. It's what, what what year? Oh, this is like I don't know. Fifties. Black and white or oh, it's the fifties. I think it's, it's black the 50s. and white. So the the big trivia for that is that Hitchcock cameos in all but his right. first three movies. So the entire movie is set on a lifeboat. And so his cameo is a picture of him <laughs> on a newspaper that one of the passengers has. That's right. Nice. I can't yeah. find my Blu-ray of it. I, I thought um, it was so ordinary. I have to yeah. check because I have like a, a lot. My to, to the point, my family was like, "This is a problem." Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, it only has a finite number of films. Um, <laughs> I have seen quite a few Hitchcock films. I dated a film guy in college and he went through a Hitchcock phase. I don't have any on my shelf, but I do have the play Hitchcock Blondes on my bookshelf. Oh, because oh. <laughs> that, yeah, he loved, mm -hmm. he loved while his blondes. <laughs> while we're talking film, we should bring up that SLP has done a lot of film stuff. Mm. She has. She's, she's got a pretty solid um, uh, uh, list there. But uh, let's talk. Let's start with the United States. We're going to start that. Oh, we're going to change we're, things up. We're were gonna, we going to hit up the end of Top Dog Underdog as well? Of course. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. I'm being a control freak. Let's no. do it. You're being a control freak, you <laughs> slap. Oh, my God. I'm a slap. All right. <laughs> well, it's funny because we talked a little bit in part one about Girl Six, which she wrote uh, the screenplay for, Spike right. Lee film, which I think for me is one of his most feminist ardent ardently feminist uh movies mm. and it's one that gets forgotten and not talked about and it's it's really interesting it's really good uh and it just sort of came and went like in the mid 90s it just got lost in, mm. in the shuffle but i highly recommend it it's about a woman who uh gets a job as a phone sex operator which i don't think exists anymore i'm pretty sure that mm, not... you'd be surprised in the midwest yeah sure <laughs> sure well i'm just saying that the internet's uh the internet's probably taken most mm, of that for but, sure but she regardless. also did the uh the tv tele the teleplay for the tv movie their eyes were watching god right mm. which, which is, is that zora neil neil hurston yeah. um book that then oprah i believe made into a movie yeah like it was oprah, really? oprah or five. Mm -hmm. yeah something like that yeah um and then i know that they did make a short out of top dog underdog um and then she <laughs> also did native son i don't know if y'all ever saw native oh. son mm -hmm. yeah she did the the adaptation of that, right? Right. I never, uh, I never saw that, but people Just loved heard it. Of it. Yeah, one. yeah. Um, it's around anyway. I wanna, yeah. I figured we kind of change up uh, the way we do things. Let's. I just want to touch it. on it. I don't think we should get too deep on it because we don't have a, a ton of time. And I and I want to get into the other plays. But what did y'all think of United States versus Billy Holiday? Um. I'll, I'll jump in. I just thought yeah. it was ultimately uneven. Mm. It's it's a right, right. it's it's a tricky thing because they weren't trying to do a full biopic of her life, but um, at the same time they had to cover so much of her life in order to make that make sense. But then I read you know recently that that so there were so many historical inaccuracies that. Um, that like a, the jazz world was really kind of pissed off about about it. Hmm. Um, so 
I just thought it was un, uneven, but we should say that uh, Ms. Day's performance is extraordinary. She got the Oscar nomination. The cast is awesome in it. All like of the cast is, is amazing. And it's a gorgeous looking film. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't, I can't, couldn't, and it was only the one viewing I've done, and I couldn't quite pinpoint where I thought it went awry or mm. what was awry about it, whether it was the script or if it was mm. Lee Daniels' direction. I don't know. Thoughts? Kelly, yeah, what I, were your thoughts on this? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I it was a hard watch. I think I was distracted by the editing and mm. not that and the script. I felt like this is just the, the writing's kind of weird. The dialogue's a little on some things. I felt like scenes were cut really short, or where they cut to, it just didn't seem to to flow. You know, like you know when you're sitting in a, a movie and I'm like, I'm not thinking. I'm like lost in the world. I'm not thinking. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm watching a movie. But I was just so aware that I was watching a movie, and I hate that feeling where it's like right. something is clearly like taking me out of like the full, um, you know, immersion into the film. Um, so that was yeah. But I mean, I think I mean the actors did well with what they had. I think, um, but it wasn't. Yeah, I just kind of struggled through it. What do you think, Siege? Yeah, I I felt like the casting was awesome, and um, I think, in particular, without trying to ruin too much, like the romance that was kind of inserted into her story. Right. I just, it was one of those things, and it's because it was highlighted so often, which, listen, I'm just going to say it. There were some hot fucking sex scenes in this movie. <laughs> sure. There were some really great sex scenes, but it was just the romance that was put, that was kind of like shoehorned in there. It just, when I found out like that, that wasn't actually part of the storyline. I was like, well, I just, it kind of took away from what she as an individual experienced. Um, but again, it's one of those things too, where, I, I also don't want to, it's, it's, it's lack of information and knowledge on my end of like how many people were sitting in that room with her telling her she had to put that romance in the script. Like, I don't even know. I, and I'm sure mm-hmm. it's different depending on what you're working on or who you're working with, how many people are going to come in and tell you things that have to be in the script mm-hmm. or change things. So I don't, I, it's so clearly her because it's very open and emotional and it's gritty. Um, so I did see her in those parts of the script. Mm. And yeah, it's beautiful and the performances are amazing too. And I was, you know, I her singing, I mean, it's like that's mm. kind of been the thing lately, like people, modern day singers stepping in and having to take over people from the past, their singing voices. And Billie Holiday has such an individual singing voice. And I thought she did it well, but also it was her own little twist on it, which I think is a really impressive way to go about it. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I enjoyed a lot of aspects of it, uh, honestly. I, Trevante Rhodes has my heart and soul forever, I think, at this point. Uh, so I was just, I, you know, I didn't know anything about her story. So I guess the question becomes, like, is she doing a a rev and rep like she did with Venus or mm-hmm. with, you know, where she's, she's taking something and sort of changing the history revisionist, letting the story be told a different way, letting it be told by, you know, a different voice, different perspective. But then the question becomes like, well, but then are, 
are you doing a disservice to the people who don't know her story and you could mm-hmm. be telling her story right. like very mm-hmm. exact right. mm-hmm. um because i know like ray they add stuff uh walk the line they add stuff dramatically to sort of keep things going and to make things flow and whatever it the question became like did i need any of that like i didn't need the relationship with jimmy fletcher Mm -hmm. like i just didn't Mm -hmm. i I didn't it didn't add anything to me except that i will watch trevante forever right (laughs) so it's like it's like i i don't I'm sort of just like, yeah, great. I'll take his shirt off. That fuck, great. Thank you. <laughs> but bes- besides that, I think I wouldn't miss it if it was all deleted. Now, I the only last thing I want to say about it, and then if you guys have anything else to say, we can keep going. But I- I'm a big Lee Daniels stan. Mm. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you um, are. I- I've talked about <laughs> him on this podcast yes, so are. many times. Um, he does this thing. There's these two movies that I'll bring up right now. Uh, uh, the Paperboy, which I've talked about on this episode yes. many times. <laughs> I mean, on this on this uh, podcast many times. And uh, also Lee Daniels' The Butler, which is the Forrest Whitaker butler working his way through the White House. Okay. Yeah. Now, both movies, when you watch them, for different reasons, and I, I can't, I'm not going to get into why, but I think everybody should go watch both of these movies and see. Both of them are very jarring movies because you are constantly very aware that you're watching a movie. Mm. But I think it's what also kind of works about them. Oh, is yeah. that because the Lee Daniels, the butler, is your every time there's a new president, it one-ups itself with a new cast member you didn't know was in the movie because they did a good job of hiding <laughs> That's it. Fun. That's so fun. when Robin Williams walks in as freaking um uh L- LBJ or Truman oh, or whoever yeah. he is, and he and you're just like you're like what Robin Williams, and I never <laughs> let go of the fact that it's Robin Williams the whole time he's on screen, yeah. you know. Mm. And Forrest Whitaker's really given it, but besides him, like every time someone else comes on, you're just like Oprah, like oh, <laughs> like you know, like they got Obama for real, Obama. Oh! Like it's. It's it's a fun, interesting movie for that reason. But I remember being in the theater and the whole audience like cheering together, and be, mm. it was like an Avengers movie. It was mm. we were all like, oh, <laughs> it was fun. And but I was so aware of it being a movie the whole time. The Paperboy is the same way, where it's like it's Zac Efron and John Cusack and Nicole Kidman trying to play Bayou people. Oh, oh, like, oh that's but it's kind of purposefully shit it's like very c movie like, or like b movie like trash like yeah dousey it's very sexy sweaty Sweaty's the best word to describe that movie <laughs> but it's hot and it's good and they're all like really in it and mcconaughey and cusack are kind of like it's like right before they kind of got back on on track with their careers and like, it's mm. it's good um, it's Zac Efron trying to be in an R-rated film, and I, I, he fucks Nicole Kidman, and it's great. Um, whoa, wow, all that to say, while I was watching this movie, I kept being sort of like, okay, Lee Daniels, yeah, okay, like with the jarring shit, I was trying to be on the ride. I don't know that when I got off the ride that I wasn't a little seasick. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I was just like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I felt like, um. If you guys have never seen Lady Sings the Blues with Diana Ross and Billy D. Williams, mm. sure, um, which is a a good movie. It's not a great movie, but it's a good biopic of of her life. Mm-hmm. I felt like in a lot of ways that he, they were trying to run away from that, 
Um, again, like going back to the idea of trying to focus in on this single story about the song, which I guess wasn't really a big deal. Like yeah, the government right. wasn't after her because she was singing the song. They yeah. also said she never opened a set ever in the history of her performance, opened a set with that song. And she never sang anything a cappella. Now there's, you know, there's dramatic license and and all that. I just felt like, and and in Venus, she does, she admits, she tells right. you up front, right, right. I've 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 twisted history, I've taken history and and rearranged it. Well, with a two hundred year old, you know, slightly obscure person, that's mm-hmm. that's a different thing from doing somebody that's in people's memories, like you know, yeah. Billie Holiday. People still remember Billie Holiday. Right. I almost wish. At the beginning of the movie, yeah. she had turned to us and been like, mm-hmm. "I'm I'm telling the story differently because yeah. I can." Yeah. <laughs> do you do you think that like that as audiences or just playwrights have more uh, freedom to play with historical narratives on stage rather than like actual filmmakers? I think because I feel I, like we do it so much in theater. Yeah. And in, yeah. I feel like you're, hmm, this might be a controversial thing to say. I almost feel like if you're writing for the theater, you're writing for people that you know kind of have a little bit more imagination and maybe are a little bit smarter. Where with TV or movies, like everyone goes to watch those, but the theater crowd's a little different. Yeah. Like, yeah. and yeah, not, that, not, that, that's, that's valid. a I think really they, general thing to say, I feel like. I think, sure. I, I think that they have, I feel like a playwright may be more empowered to go with it. Like, I think that Mm. I feel like she was, if she had this idea that she was going to mess around with some history in order to tell this story, then I feel like her punch, she pulled her punches or was told to pull her punches Mm. as opposed to in the theater where, where people would be like, no, swing away, like punch, go yeah. punch as hard as you can yeah. because you have studios and producers and, you know, 500 people, too many people usually with eyes on things and, and opinions about things. I like her using the song. I like the song being right. sort of the thematic yeah. point. Of the, yeah, I, mean, I, yeah. I, I think they're right. There should have been some sort of disclaimer, some sort of like, Hey, mm-hmm. We're, mm-hmm. we're warping history, but also like also, and I guess this is all, what we're all saying is like, it's a movie, yeah. you know, like we're supposed to go in knowing it's kind of all horse shit, right? Like that's, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I liked guess, it enough. Sure. I guess. And I think it's, I think it's because of like the eight year long rant I went on with game of Thrones coming out. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I guess, I guess the only big problem I have is then, uh, cause I remember, uh, Bailey, you saying in the first scene where she gets, busted and they come in and they want to search her and she strips down naked in front of them and she says do it and bailey said because we were what 20 minutes into the movie bailey said you know i bet that wasn't in there unless it actually happened and then to find out after the fact that there was this whole added relationship which had some very sexy stuff in it i don't know i i guess for me the whole nudity and sex thing to add that in when maybe you don't need it. That's, I felt that's that way the first time when that happened because I went, this is weird. This is a Billie Holiday biopic. Why would they just have her be naked? 
Right. And mm-hmm. so I was sort of like, it, they wouldn't have put that in there unless it happened. That's weird. But then she was naked the whole rest of the movie. And I was like, oh, never mind. I guess they're right. just doing that. So I let go of that pretty quick. But yeah, yeah I mean, it's, well, it, is it irresponsible or is it art? I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I think it took the significance of that moment away from me because mm. I thought it was such a poignant mm-hmm. moment in the beginning of the film. And then Bailey, when you said that, I was like, oh yeah, you're right. Um, and then, yeah, it, it fell apart pretty quickly. Uh, yeah. Since we're doing things backwards, hey, see? Yeah. Break this one down for us. Oh. <laughs> CJ's breakdown. The war on drugs begins when the Federal Bureau of Narcotics launches an undercover sting operation against Billie Holiday, a story of an amazing artist struggling with a horrific past, addiction, and a country that is still not ready to face and fix its cruelty. Yeah, nice. That's it, you know. Thank you. That's my book <laughs> <laughs> Um But yeah, I mean, I didn't hate it or anything. And again, mm-hmm. the performances and production design and all that, you know, made it uh, a, a pleasant experience, um, a compelling experience. I shouldn't say pleasant. It was compelling mm-hmm. as all get out. Uh, but yeah, it just it just was uneven. I think we were all on, kind of on the same page. Like, meh. Yeah. Um, let's move on from it because that's not actually something we're meant to talk about. I just <laughs> wanted to make sure we talked about it for a while. We did. We spent a lot of time. I, you know, I, we we did also we got into Top Dog Underdog, but I, I'm sure there are some other things that we can definitely talk about. So why don't we get into that? Is the, does anybody want to start? Is there anything that you were just like, fuck? I wish I had said that in part one. I'm gl-, but you know you got you you can do it now. Here's your stage. Here's your mic. Uh, my my I'll punch mine in there. Uh, my it it. Top Dog Underdog showed me two things. The cycle of abuse when they talk Mm. about their families and how they were left behind and how they were treated and the kind of relationship that that built in between the two of them. And then it also showed me uh, the cycle of the prison system of these men being sent to prison and then let out and then like what job is his option to dress up as Abraham Lincoln in whiteface and be fake killed every day at an arcade? Like... Mm -hmm. That's not a job with dignity. He's getting paid shit money. And then, oh, by the way, we're going to replace you with an animatronic thing. Right. You know, there's no system in place. There wasn't then. And there still isn't a system in place for people to mm-hmm. anyone to come out of prison and survive. Unless you have a family waiting out there for you. That's like, we have a home and a job and money for you to survive on. Right. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Off my soapbox. No. <laughs> I'll take that. It's an, it's an important soapbox to um, be on. Okay. Uh, the thing that kept coming back to me as I thought about this play and meditated on the play was just all the the density of the symbolism and the illusions and the allegory. Mm. The idea, just even, especially the cards, that, there's, that these two African-American men are obsessed with this game that it, it is a metaphor for the whole system, that it's always rigged, that there's no way to ever win this, mm. and that it, and and that that's the system that's set up and in place, um, and then just uh, again that yeah, going back to what CJ had mentioned about the family stuff, which was like it, it broke my heart, like that mm-hmm. that mom and dad just left, mm-hmm. that they just had enough and. You, and we'd also talked about um, you know, Hansberry and A Raisin in the Sun and the idea that 
wealth inequality and the way that wealth is dispersed is uh, is fucked up <laughs> and that we're still talking about it is infuriating and it's it's funny um a, a quick digression uh, uh, uh right before we recorded part one cj and i had gotten together and i was like oh maybe to i hadn't reread it yet and i was like maybe top dog underdog is kind of you know, become a little passe in what it's saying. And I was not. Susan Laurie Parks punched me in the balls for even thinking mm -hmm. that and reading that play. I also want to say I read this play faster than I've read any other play that we've ever covered. Mm. Like, I just was in it and cranking through it. And, mm. man, it just, uh, it, it's, uh, it's fucking great. So there's something uh, really interesting about her formatting in this one, and she does it in Book of Grace as well. I don't think she did it in Venus, right? The spells? No. Right. Mm -hmm. So this is the first, this might be the first place she uses it in. I don't know, but the, it's the spells versus beats, right? A beat mm. is like a shift, but like spells. Oh, right. She describes as like moments to be filled by the director and actor as they so choose. And the way she does it is she stacks character names on top of each other with mm -hmm. no dialogue. And right. I, this is going to sound so pretentious and I'm just going to fucking say it. I'll cut <laughs> it out. Why, I'll cut why it out stop later. now? Why stop now? I, this was when I was reading it and book of grace, I was like getting kind of like, emotional about it because I kept being like, I wish I had had permission to do this in my writing like earlier. Oh. Like that sounds so lame, but like it's exactly what I always wish I could put into a script of like, and then there's like this, this person feels something and then this person feels, and then mm -hmm. this, but I don't want to tell you what that is, but mm -hmm. the, it's there and it's weird and it feel you feel things, but I don't want to talk about it. I just wanted to have like, I, that's what I always feel like I can't put into my scripts. And every time I got to one, I, I would just sit there and like fill it with my own shit. Like mm -hmm. I was just like, great. It's this and it's, that and this person's feeling weird and so they turn and I, and I was directing it in my head and I had so much fun reading it and um now this is a little less pretentious uh she she calls I'm, I'm stepping out of the pretension is what I'm saying she calls them spells um and I like that I think it's you know it's a spell of time it's, it's not a, a great beat. thing it's not just a shift and you guys know like historically uh and Kelly you're not aware of this I get infuriated most of the time when playwrights create these these codes these mm. key keys and it's uh -huh. just like just write it down most of the time if you just wrote it down i would have gotten it and but hers are so simple and elegant and i get exactly what she's mm -hmm. doing when she does it mm -hmm. i get yep. those pauses i get those beats and the stacking of the names on top of each other mm -hmm. and it's like i get it i know exactly what you're just, talking about i get yeah. sense it just yeah. makes so much sense she gives you a shit ton of freedom too like i feel like every version of top dog underdog could be completely different book of grace too i can't wait to talk about that play yeah. <laughs> kelly I mean, we've been jabbering on go on oh no no i mean yeah i i do agree she does do it a couple times in, in venus as well and i think what's really interesting i guess is like you would think the temptation would be there to just skip over that part but for some right. reason i do agree bailey like I just, I sat with it of like, it's clearly worth something for me to at least give pause. Like what's, yeah, you do start to really visualize like what are they looking like, or what are they doing, or how are they interacting, or what's the environment? Because 
what they're saying next is based on that that spell you know right. and so that's like so interesting to be able to kind of and of course naturally it's like you know the Halloween in me I think of like actual spells of like <laughs> what kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure you know, like, what, what kinds of um you know, mental or literary seduction are you doing to the reader yes. to get them to lure them into like giving space and time? Or even like what energy are you putting out, right? If spells yeah. are like a form of like energetic mm -hmm. power, right? Mm -hmm. Then like what what are you putting out? Maybe this is maybe she's a witch and this is perfect and we, <laughs> just, <laughs> we should just bow down. Um, it is uh, it's magical. It is. Some, I mean, it it is. Something else I love about this play is just all of what I guess like would be called patter, which mm. is like the the like the pages of them playing three card Monty. Like pages go on yeah. sometimes, and the patter and the way that they mm -hmm. talk and the you know. And I started like looking up the game because I don't know much about the game. I've, I anytime I've ever seen it on the street, I've gone. I'm supposed to stay away from that. I know that I always <laughs> right, right, yeah. right, right, right. So I even wonder if anybody plays anymore because you would you just oh, everyone yeah. kind of knows it's a scam, mm -hmm. or not a scam necessarily, but it's like you can't really win. And so I I was like looking this up, and there's these kind of amazing things. So obviously you have like your mark, right, which is the person that would come up, but there's also a third person involved with every one of these games. It's called the shill. Right. Mm -hmm. Shill is the person who's like there kind of talking up the mark and being like, no, you should bet first. Mm -hmm. And usually they're already, they're playing when the person walks up and they're winning. And so they make it look like, oh, this is great. Mm -hmm. And they're actually like the dude's cousin. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, so, which I mean, which then goes back to like, you know, CJ's point of like, how it's just also symbolic of like a system that's already rigged that makes you that yep. kind of does you know as a show and it's like yeah you know come on like you can do this and i think even though there's something in like human nature or our pride that's like but i bet i could figure it out like i bet i can and it's like no no no, no, no you can't it's like no no but i could do it like i could i could do it i could figure yeah. it out like and i think it's that kind of of you know uh allure or even just like our pride like bringing people back to this game and getting people stuck in this system and cycle that's like built against you that's like no you're going to like you're going to lose agreed right. and mm -hmm. even in a like a brotherly relationship mm -hmm. too like just being the younger mm -hmm. being the or brotherly a sibling relationship i don't even mean brothers like you being the younger and feeling like i'm the youngest of three uh, dudes and oh. we uh, we don't really compete with each other because I'm super way younger than them but there is that little bit of like fuck like I, I do have to compete with them on, like in my parents eyes or like mm. in, in so I do have that little bit of like well I, I'm gonna do better even though I'm younger kind of thing <laughs> and there's a little bit of that and that's like the tiny version of this mm. one other really interesting game that the shill will play sometimes a scam that they will pull okay that i love okay is that a fourth person will tap the dealer on the shoulder to talk to them and the dealer will turn and talk to them for a second and the shill will look at the mark and say hey i'm gonna i'm gonna do something and they will walk up to one of the cards and bend the <gasps> the corner just right. a little bit yeah mm. and the mark will go oh okay yeah yeah and then the dealer turns and they just start playing normal and they don't notice the thing. 
And these dealers are so good with their hands that they can unbend it and bend another one without Whoa. them noticing. God damn. So they'll do a really simple combo thinking that the or knowing that the person is following it. They'll do a really simple combo of switches and then they'll set it and the thing will be curved. Mm. The corner will be turned and the person will choose it. And then when it's when they don't win, they're less likely to say, hey, you cheated because they cheated. Right. Mm. right. Wow. So it's like a insane. way to like double guilt the mark, right? Like double That's screw crazy. the mark. Like, yeah. just... oh, it's kind of brilliant. <laughs> it's so it's it so it's so manipulative and it's yeah. such a great and you can tell she did all that research yeah. to mm. build that in because, you know, setting it up with the two brothers, the, the whole sort of Cain and Abel thing course, that's yeah. hovering mm -hmm. over this all. But then the other thing that it does is that Lincoln is playing Booth or certainly plays him at the end and it forces Booth into reacting emotionally. Mm. And, this, and, and, and so when he kills him, like the consequences of that haven't fully occurred to him because the system keeps forcing him into this high emotional state, mm. which yeah. is why he's seeking grace, the name mm. of the, the, the girlfriend that we never see, like right. the metaphor of grace and him seeking that out. And just how all of it is together. Like it, she fuses it all together so miraculously and so beautifully. And it, oh man, it just knocked me out. It, it's funny. I, I should bring up that in 2018, the New York Times drama critics group um, decided to make a list of the best plays since Angels in America. So over 25 mm. years, right. what were the base? And, and this is their number one. Um, so that's they, since 93, 94? Yeah, somewhere in their early 90s. Yeah. So they yeah. did that in 2000, made the list in 2018. Wow. And the fact that, um, you know, that they put it as number one is a big fucking deal. And the rules were that you could only do one from each playwright. No playwright could have two right. things on the right. list. Right, right, and right. And there were people that were like in uproar. They were like, she has better plays. Oh, I love <laughs> it. I love it. <laughs> but it was still number one, you know, so it's pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the end because, spoiler alert, um, mm -hmm. in the script, it reads, Booth shoots Lincoln, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the younger brother shoots the older brother. It's a foretold conclusion with their mm. names. Right. Mm. Uh, I remember starting it. I was like, maybe it won't end that way. <laughs> right, right. Well, maybe they'll be friends. Right, it'll work out. <laughs> about it is that you're sort of like, oh, it, it probably won't. And then you're like, sort of like, oh, I hope it won't. Of course it won't. And then by the end, you're just like, oh, it's going to. Is really? it going to end this way? Maybe yeah. it won't, but there's still stakes there, even though you know their names are Booth and Lincoln. You're still like, <laughs> you're still like, I don't know. And then, and you're like, maybe Lincoln will kill Booth, and it'll be this whole metaphor. No, no, no. It'll be a it's the same boom. shit. Yeah, no, no, yeah, we don't fuck with that. And it, and it's, I think, really interesting in the. Uh, I'll bring it up again. The documentary where they actually show Don Cheadle and Jeffrey Wright, who we need to talk about Jeffrey Wright a little bit. But oh, when yeah. they show them doing it in the script, it just says Booth shoots Lincoln. When they did it, Cheadle, excuse me, yes, Cheadle, playing yeah. Booth, pulls out the gun, fires every single round into him, and then keeps clicking for, like, 
six seconds. He's like, wow. gah, 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 gah. and you're just like, what? Because that is not how I read it. In my head, it's just a beautiful like one shot boom, right? It's an Ooh. overkill, right? <laughs> but it's so, it, I was sort of like, well, that's why. I mean, that's a huge ending. That's a you know, yeah. that's a much bigger choice that yeah. I'm sure was built in the room with the director and whatnot. But damn. Well, and yeah. if you even want to talk crime shit, mm-hmm. someone shooting someone once mm-hmm. is completely different than someone unloading a clip into somebody and continuing to fire. Ooh, Those yeah. are two different yeah. crimes. Yeah. 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 Pretty yeah. crazy. I, the- I- but I that makes sense. But that makes sense with the building of the rage right. in, in Booth. Right. Like, right. like that that's a that's a fantastic acting slash directing choice. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, that that's sexy. That makes me. <laughs> that's <awesome. laughs> Before we hop off this one, I do want to talk about Jeffrey Wright. Is that okay? Yeah. Well, you can talk. You and I yeah. can talk about Jeffrey Wright all day. He okay. is literally in my top ten. I think can- he's insanely good can i say one tiny thing about that last scene yeah the the gift also that she get like again brand new to the script finding out at the end of the script that before he walked in here he also killed grace right right like yeah yeah like i was salivating as a performer like what a fucking thing to get to play that whole scene anyway go on about the amazing actors (laughs) <laughs> Jeff Wright, Jeffrey Wright, Jeffrey Wright. Uh, <laughs> your face is what sold it, and yeah. our listeners well, can't see your face. They'll never I know. know. I am obsessed with this man. I am. I am obsessed with this man, and I've been obsessed with him since Basquiat, mm-hmm. the yeah. film, which mm. is the reason why I is the only reason that film is the only reason why I have anything to say about Andy Warhol. I know nothing about Andy Warhol, but after watching that movie, I was like. <gasps> Fuck that guy! That's all I felt. But I will tell you, uh, he is going to be playing James Gordon in the new Batman movie. Yeah. Uh, awesome. He's also, he's one of the tech guys or something, I believe, in the new Bond. Yep. Uh, he's like 12 build in the new Bond. He's he's Felix Leiter. He is Felix, right. Yeah. And, and uh, we also, he's currently filming a new Wes Anderson film. Mm-hmm. And, and he's notoriously in, very white uh, actor mm-hmm. right. based films. Mm-hmm. So. And he's right. in in the the newest Wes Anderson. He's shooting a Wes Anderson, but he's also in the Wes Anderson that's coming out in just. A oh, really? Episode. Yeah. Dang. He yeah. also did an episode of Rick and Morty. He did. Yeah. <laughs> in he did. 2019. He's the one. I've brought it up on this on this podcast. It's the toilet episode. He's the one who sits on the toilet and is like, yeah. and Rick is like, "This is my toilet. You're not allowed to sit on this toilet." And oh man, who's and, so and it's and it's and it's it's a heartbreaking episode. Heartbreaking. About, about yes. it's in like the most recent or the last season or whatever. It's being a good. shy pooper. Hey, he was like, also in BoJack Horseman. I'm looking at his IMDb right now. Oh, yeah. Um, he doesn't stop. Yeah. Plus, he does the voice of the Watcher on the new Marvel What If. That's so right. Oh, yes. So he's a double, uh, he's a DC and a Marvel mm-hmm. uh, hire. It's great. Like He's, he's the best part of the Hunger Games movies, uh, in my opinion. He pops <laughs> up in Catching Fire. Uh, I think his name is Bolts. There's Nuts and Bolts. He's Bolts mm. of Nuts and Bolts. Uh, and he's just like, and before that, he's just got like kind of a phenomenal, uh, career, career in general. Like he, he already, he had won the Tony for angels in America. Right. By Mm. the time he 
before he ever did do, does Basquiat. So right. like like well then angels angels so I, Basquiat he he uh, takes me out to dinner. Okay. Yeah. yeah angels yeah. in America. He makes me his wife. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like like yeah. I'm t- like angels in America. I marry him forever, and we yeah. have children. Like like. He's perfect in that film as as or miniseries as every single character. Yeah. I'm obsessed with him. I I want to touch He's him. He's also fantastic on Twitter if you follow him yeah, on Twitter. He is. Like he 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 goes after people and he's funny as shit. Like cuz he's brilliant. Like he's just a brilliant human being on top of being an insanely talented actor. I just Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, he's one of my faves. Top ten, he's in my top he, ten. And he's a Sagittarius, and he studied political science at. I'm Andrew a Sagittarius. I'm a Sagittarius. I'm a Sagittarius. Yeah. Bailey so. and I are Leos. <laughs> Me too. Really? really? Yeah. You're only so, when's your birthday? Uh, August 9th. Mine too. Shut up. No way. <laughs> no, really. <laughs> Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Y'all. The, 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 we're, the we're starting, taking we're, a turn. For no, us. we're just changing no, the name great. of the podcast. We're, we're cycling up through the yeah. internet right now. Yeah. Three Leos and a sag. Three Leos and a sag. He's the name of this podcast sag. now. Yeah. Fire on fire. We're having too much fun. We're having too much. Too much fun. Is great. Uh, um, great. Okay, we should move on because we've said enough about Todd Dog Underdog. I want to talk about Book of Grace because this was a huge surprise for me. Mm. Oh my yeah. god, I love this script so much. Uh CJ, if you love it so much, why don't you break it down? CJ's breakdown. Vet, a cruel border patrolman is reunited with his son, also a vet, named Buddy and later Snake. Vet is going to be honored in the community. Hints of abuse and unspeakable acts from the past swirl around as Grace, Vet's optimistic second wife and friend to Buddy slash Snake, tries to reach out to her stepson in ways ranging from the kind to the questionable. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Buddy slash Snake. He's Buddy and then he's Snake. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about the that. juxtaposition. Yes. Um... <laughs> This is my first note I took when I finished the play. I read it very quickly. It's a very easily read play. Yeah, it's a tight Easy to read. Real tight. Even if you're taking time with the spells, which there's a lot, Mm -hmm. I still was sort of like, wow, this clipped. Maybe an hour read, like very quick. Very Um, fast, yeah. I wrote this down. If, and I hate to compare her to two white dudes, but here you go. (laughs) If Ionesco and Albie fucked or like sat down and had brunch, then you would get this play. <laughs> well, 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 which is it? Which is it? Is it fucking or is it brunch? I mean, they're kind of the same thing if you think about it, but. Uh, I haven't had a good brunch fucking for a long time. It's been a minute. Oh man, the there's always too yeah. much champagne involved. I get really drunk and then I come home yeah. and take a three hour long nap yeah. and then wake up with a bad headache. That's what I used to do in Reno after uh, on Sunday mornings because we had free uh, buffet passes to the brunch. Oh, oh my god! Oh, we would go, and then we had to perform it. I love brunch, but we had to perform at eight p.m. So we would go to brunch. We would get like three or four plates. We would get like, <laughs> and it was bottomless mimosas. Oh my so god! So you just yes. go and go and go, and then you'd go nap for four hours. Nice. And then you'd get up and go to a show. Yeah. Okay. That's how you do it. Uh-huh. Um, 
could not do that at my current age. It was super fun. Um, but so many critics didn't really love this play. It got kind yeah, of I was kind of like, like half, yeah, I was kind of shocked. After the words I read it. that show up a lot are clumsy and flimsy, <gasps> flimsy How and clumsy. Dare they? Um, yeah, the one that that hit me was that they these aren't so much characters as archetypes, <gasps> and I was like, oh, I was like. I, I, and maybe it's you know a combination of the production or whatever, but I just didn't see yeah. it that way. I kind of dug what it was doing. It seemed like a very um, present, and present I mean literally like in in the current time frame, but also sort of conscious and present of of what was going on at at that time, you know, in a conscious way. Um, yeah, it, it really struck me. Um, I did think it was interesting. We really need to talk about, and she got some criticisms from black and white critics mm -hmm. about the ambiguity of the casting. Mm. But I think that any combination works. You know, you can go all black cast, and that works. You can have a black she, son. You can have. She a black does father, say she's been asked in an interview. She does say she would prefer it to be an all black cast because she thinks it is more poignant that way, but that she doesn't care. Right. Mm. Yeah. It it definitely changed. I mean, depending on who's casting, it definitely changes what's being said. You right. know, like you can read and it's like, okay, wow, she's talking about something completely or, different. It gets sure. Intersectionality gets in there, and and it's there was a there was a review that I saw that I was like, this sucks. <laughs> but it was just saying how this guy was saying the reviewer was saying how essentially she should kind of stick to what she's good at. You know, talking about like. Yeah. You know, black experience and how she's trying to be too, uh, not world, but kind of this generic, general. And I'm like, well, that, every artist has a right to explore, yes. you know, yes. to, to change themselves. So like, I don't know, I, this is a topic that I kind of want to, you know, to dissect or um, I don't want to be typecast as a, <laughs> as a writer, what kind of writer I am. If I want to switch it up, I want to switch it up. Yeah, and yeah, I I agree, Kelly. I had this exact same reaction. We may have read the same mm. the same review because I was like, "What the fuck? Who the fuck are you?" Like, right, it's Susan right. Laurie Parks. She can do whatever she wants to do. She'll yeah. do it better than you do it. So sit down and shut up. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, I I felt like there was a lot of misogyny and a lot of mm -hmm. racism in that, as subtle as it might they might think it was that that she owed it to anybody to write about a specific topic or, or issue, I thought was absurd, you know? Um, I'm not gonna talk about it too much because it just came out today, but I saw it last night at a 10 p.m. showing, cause LA does that, <gasps> I saw Candyman. Oh my God, Bailey. <laughs> Bailey, we've been talking about this for a very long time, I totally forgot. I will go see, Please. if you wanna go again, I'll go again. If you wanna go, like, I'll go again. Oh, don't ruin it, wait, wait, okay. Wait, I'm not gonna ruin anything. I'm, I'm just gonna say, be, the, the, the guy, uh, 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 um, uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen <laughs> is, who's like one of my favorite actors right now, uh, is plays an artist in it, and there's, there's a scene with a critic. That's mm. all I'm gonna say. Mm. But I, it was sort of like, kind of the better version of the Birdman critic thing, actually, if you want the mm. truth. Mm. Um, and a little less on the nose, but also kind of very on the nose. Like I knew exactly what it was trying to do, but maybe not everybody would, but 
Oh God, I can't talk about it. Everyone just go see Candyman and you'll know what I'm talking about <laughs> and how it relates to th what we're talking about right now with in terms of how people reviewed this play. Because a lot of what people are saying is like, like, oh, it's so on the nose. It's like border patrol, okay, it's topical. And it's like, well, mm. yeah. Which yeah, something <laughs> yes, I that's what's happening right now. <laughs> something I want to point out about that too is this came out in 2010 with yeah. Obama. Mm. Like right. this, I think it would be a completely different play now post Trump. Also, not that I'm saying this has any. I the thing that struck me was this came out the same year that she went through a divorce. Mm. Oh wow! Mm. Interesting. So you know, I mean, I the thing that struck me, yeah, was when because I didn't read, which is I realized, especially with her works, is very short sighted of me. I didn't read her notes. I just jumped into the play, so I was reading it as white people, and I thought, you know, maybe mm. Buddy Buddy is like like half or something mm. which is another reason why vet has a problem with him or can or treats him the way he does so then when i went back and read her notes afterwards because then i started looking up production photos mm. and i saw that it was kind of all over the map because i was seeing regional theater productions and all that stuff too and then i read her thing where she said you can kind of do it any way you want this is the way i found it to be best um but yeah i mean it's it's a completely different play depending on how mm -hmm. you cast it. Yeah, way. and I think that that's part of, like, I think that the uh, this is one of her plays that's going to be, again, sort of rediscovered in, in a few years, and people are going to go, oh, shit, she was way ahead of her time, because, mm -hmm. you know, it, it again, we get back into the layers of, of sort of poetry and metaphor that she, you know, the whole idea that, that you know, uh, Buddy is changing his name to Snake, and the constant mm. references to Adam and Eve and and the garden and the snake and the like just it's it's marvelous. But then it just reads as as sort of an all-American family drama and uh, and works just as that just as on that level. It's it's terrifying. And um, and we should say, too, it, it, it gets brutal towards the end. Uh, yeah. is, is it's very shepherd esque in some ways. It, like, yeah, it is. Yeah, you or even like Killer Joe. Let's. Yes. Mm. Let's see. Well, let's and I just. They keep talking about unspeakable acts. And I thought, like, possibly mm, yeah. as I started reading this, that maybe the climax of this play would be us finding out what the fuck happened i kind of mm -hmm. like that we don't yes I, yeah because it loads everything wild. Yeah. exactly yeah. cj it lets your imagination go crazy places yeah because again reading it my i put i put characters and backstories into this play immediately when i started mm. reading it and then by the end it was like i knew i was either going to be proved wrong or not but in the end i was like it could have been anything. Right. right. Nothing is confirmed nor denied. <laughs> and, then, and we go back to this sort of genius of her playwriting and that th what that gives a cast and a director. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. cast and a director gets to iron out and decide amongst themselves in a rehearsal space what, so what that means. <laughs> unspeakable things. He did unspeakable yeah. things to me. What mm. does that mean and how loaded is that? And mm. how loaded does that happen with the, the lights up? 
yeah. and, you know, on her. And well, uh, it lights up on all three of them, right? Yeah. Yeah, we start with the like little mini monologues kind of thing. I would just, love to see this play. Oh, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, yeah. Kelly. Yeah, no, I mean, which is such a great tool. I mean, you, you see it sometimes a little bit in like Children of Men kind of yes. ends in that way ah. where you're, and it's like the thing where some people hate it, but you start to really love it as an audience or viewer because you're like, it was just really freaking me out. Or it's like, or it kind of starts to put it back on you and like, how do you decide, you know, how grotesque something is or how, right. how dark something is or like, oh, maybe it wasn't that bad or, you know, but it, it, it kind of forces you to take it with you. You know, it right. becomes like the, you know, the lights go on and the, the curtains go up and your and your curtains come down and you're just like, I'm still kind of thinking about this. Children of Men is what I always it. use as my analog for ambiguous endings. Mm. That's a perfect, perfect. I can't believe you brought that up. That makes me so happy. Children <laughs> of Men is incredible because it ends with they're on a boat. Mm -hmm. Uh, sorry, spoiler alert, alert for anyone who hasn't seen this. You need to see Children of Men. Long story short, someone's not alive on this boat. Someone is alive on this boat. And it cuts out. And you're like, wait, what is there? Yeah. Are they okay? Did right. something happen? <laughs> and then it just starts through the credits. It just starts playing children laughing. And you're right. like. Is oh. that so, good? Right. <laughs> <laughs> or is that evil? Like, and right. it's, it's kind of perfect. And she's doing that a bit here. Mm -hmm. And I. I, I guess I'm obsessed with that. I'm obsessed with not knowing because it makes mm -hmm. it mine. And it's also the thing with the spells mm -hmm. where it's like, I, good, that's mine. I get to make that up. And obviously plays aren't meant to be read. They're meant to be seen. Right. So right. it's just, it's candy. It's fodder for so much fun in a rehearsal room. Well, and I think with all the freedom that she's given you in this script, she's made it so that this play can be done in current times mm. or in the past for decades. I yeah. mean, until yeah. we figure out a better way to handle the border here, mm. you know, or until our politics get straightened out or what people become human, whatever. Right. You know, I mean, she's made this, like I said, 2010, that was Obama. That was a completely different time. Yeah, I mean, but now. people were already the saying build a wall you know that was already yeah. a big well thing. and they oh, called him huge. the deporter in chief too mm -hmm. like if you yeah, look at I the mean, numbers we, we forget yeah. like you know obama deported more people than george w bush yeah yeah he deported right. more people than donald trump and um you know the, there was it. a myriad of reasons why you know he was forced into that but sure mm -hmm. you know there's um uh there's a great quote and i i need to find out where it came from i just wrote it down and it was parks continues to serve as a mirror of our anxieties which she expresses uh in her works with utter grace uh and <laughs> i just thought she does like the like i was I, you're anxious in her work even mm. in venus which mm -hmm. is a, yeah. a little bit of a uh stylistically different than these two um in in that it's not realism or grounded in that way mm. it's just like you're kind of like like your palms like my palms sweat when when i've read top dog underdog and um yeah i i just was ex thought it was extraordinary another fun thing she throws at the director and the actors is that uh grace's big monologue about why the like proof and evidence why the world is good which is such a beautiful monologue at the end, she puts an asterisk and says, 
you can add in your own stories of why you of evidence why mm. you believe the world is good. Yeah. You don't yeah. have to just <laughs> use what I've written here. And that excited me. I was mm. like, oh shit. Like as an yeah. exercise, I kind of just want to like write my own version of this monologue yeah. for fun. Like, you know, yeah. like oh, I yeah. just it's kind it's of infinitely it's adaptable. very living theater right her. right yes. i mean what i mean think about like just if you if you know if if um buddy was not not a black man but he was you know latino like what that yeah. what that does you know yeah. and just all just all the layering and even the adaptations i mean you can change you know to different um careers that the father might have that add that's you know that is in constant tension with your child your offspring or your relationship and it's just like you said she's she's great create a great playground Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah uh does anybody have anything else they want to say about book of grace because we we got to kill some darlings yeah (laughs) um i would say please read it please perform it and yeah. um and don't tell us see when it. it's happening so we can see it yeah <laughs> but but don't forget about this play like it would be a real shame if it got lost in in amongst some of her her other bigger more prominent mm. works because um it's also one that we could easily dissect for hours right. I, mm-hmm. as i've said a hundred times on this podcast mm-hmm. and as we say in our intro this is more about the playwright we want you to go explore this playwright please go explore this playwright mm-hmm. she's phenomenal and when we have to rank all of our playwrights at the end i as of right now she's holding a very high spot if not my top spot right now so we'll we'll see i'm giving things away it might be wrong i don't know i'll feel differently tomorrow um okay <laughs> but while we're talking about it uh i do love what that thing bailey loves ranking shit that's right i love ranking shit uh so um let's rank these i oh. i'm gonna start with you cj cj three two one actually four three two one with united states in there as well since I'm we ready. talked about it go for it four u.s versus billy holiday three <gasps> top dog underdog <gasps> two venus oh. one the book of grace wow oh. incredible incredible the unsung hero book of grace gets a top spot we love it uh scott i loved all of them to be fair yeah Yeah. oh yeah this is an impossible Mm -hmm. task uh scott um us versus billy holiday (gasps) book of grace venus top dog underdog i mean that's like that's splitting hairs man like yeah. like i literally knew that this was coming i've been thinking about it for three days and i'm like this is my, li- <laughs> this is my list i'm sticking to the list yeah but like i'll take them all yeah yeah uh kelly you want to oh go my... before me or do you want to go last <laughs> i'm still thinking i'm switching them around <laughs> okay here we go i'll give mine uh number four united states i think <gasps> I, think that might I be like consensus. just being dramatic. About <laughs> <laughs> uh, number three, Venus. Oh, oh. I do love it. I do love it. It lets the gap between four and three is wide. Um, two. <laughs> top dog underdog. What? And one book of grace. I don't know what it was. I really loved reading this play. <laughs> I love three-handed plays. I love 
that it's not just two men. I love that it's like, I, I don't know. I was, I love the monologues. That's all. Kelly? Mm -hmm. So we have three totally different lists. Well, not totally yeah. different, but three Pretty different, different lists. Yeah. 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 Kelly, what you got? Oh, boy. Okay. Um, so U.S. versus Billy Holiday is four. Mm -hmm. um, man. Okay. I will say, I guess, my leaning towards the way I want to score is is a little biased as a performer. Okay. Yeah, okay. Right. That's yeah, good. good. That's yeah. like a huge... Yeah, no. It's as good a reason as any. Yeah. That's like... Um, oh, I just, I just, it just switched in my head. Okay, top dog, underdog. Um, but I love uh, symbolism. So it was like two for a long time because I'm such a sucker for symbolism on symbolism sure. on symbolism. Mm -hmm. um, but Venus, that what you can do as as performer and just kind of the grit and, and that whole and circus kind of feel. Yeah. Um, and yeah, surprisingly, Grace is number one. But I just, wow. I just you and love. CJ. Just yeah, just that like. Same list. Yeah, just the, the 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 playfulness and the opportunity as a performer, as a director. It's just kind. I mean, it's just not this. It's so much fun to get a script like that as a as an actor, as a director, as a choreographer of like you know we get to build this amazing world and and whatever's happening in you know, current day is affecting that, which also kind of lives into Top Dog, you know, Top Dog Underdog as well. But yeah, I just, I love the unknown. Maybe it's the Halloween in me. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> totally. The Book of Grace is the, the more Halloween of the three, for sure. It really is. Um, yeah, oh, I killer joke. Okay, so it's like if let's shepherd Albie and Ionesco fucked or ate brunch uh -huh. and all four, it a foursome, an orgy. That would oh, be this They play. brunch fucked. If four white dudes got together. <laughs> if four white dudes got together. They could write this play. And um, brunch four white male playwrights for every uh, black That's so funny. Uh, exactly, yeah. Uh, okay, so next up, uh, this is a fun one for you, Kelly. You'll be able mm -hmm. to answer this, I'm sure, very easily because we like to ask you about your... Dream roles. Your what dream are your roles. dream roles inside of the Susan Laurie Parks plays? Oh, um, or at least your top couple. Top couple. I think definitely Venus. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's an easy to be like I want to be Sarah, but I kind of want to do something where you get to be the. Uh, why am I forgetting his name? Uh, <laughs> I decided. His um, monologue at the beginning of the podcast. Uh, the townskeeper? No. No, the, doc the, uh... the, the doctor? No, it's no. the. He's like, he. Oh my God. The Barker, I... but it's his name is. Yeah, what's it like... called? What's it called? Oh, shit. Oh, God damn it. Name? How did I. Oh, the. Is it the Negro Resurrectionist? Yes. yes. That one. Oh, yes. God, oh. God damn it. <laughs> oh. Okay, here's Stardos. I would love okay. to. <laughs> yeah, um, there you go. And it's the mo it's mom, right? The one who's kind of heard the ma the madam. The yeah. mother the showman. The mother, mother showman. showman. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would play the either the Negro re resurrectionist or the mother showman, even Absolutely. though that's. But I just think they're fun roles. I think that I do like grotesque kind of. I mean, I, I picture you can really make it like just grotesque and, and play with with gender roles. Um, and I bet the costumes for both of those characters yes, would be insane. Exactly. I just, 
Yeah. So for for those, definitely. Um, yeah. And I get, and Grace is an interesting, it's interesting, but I think Venus is kind of my. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, do y'all have any dream roles within her? I mean, she has a few parts for us. I mean, I would, I would, I would love to try and tackle that at some point, but I think mm. that I would want to direct Book of mm. Grace, which is probably the only one I would feel at all appropriate directing. Uh, I wouldn't try and do Top Dog, Underdog, or Venus, but... There, there's just so much in them both. Oh my god. Well, and my thought was where I know there's a total dynamic, the whole father son dynamic in um, a book of grace. And I'm not even saying that I would be because I feel I don't know. I feel like out of all the characters, Buddy should be a person of color. But like, what if Buddy was played by a female soldier, female ex soldier? Yeah, I don't know mm -hmm. that. Like, I mean, I've just learned so much more about like relationships in terms of uh sons and fathers and daughters and fathers and sons right. and, and like there's it's such a spectrum like we we binary it all the time but like yeah. i think it would be so easy to switch this out and it would still still make total sense because right. he's not really ever talking about like masculinity like that's right. never really the the conversation it's more about uh it's just something we all assume i mean yeah, right, i know sure. i assumed when i was reading it for sure absolutely yeah. um yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's the, for me. I don't know. I part of me is like it would be interesting to be in Venus somehow, um, but like, I it is. It's sort of. I just want to see them all. Really, yeah, yeah. me too. Me too. I just I really want to watch these plays. It sucks that I can't just put them on. You know, I like know. I feel like I would enjoy the shit out of them. And I, yes. mm -hmm. I don't want to just scour YouTube for community theater productions of Top mm -hmm. Dog Underdog. Um, and I do feel like I've seen that play in, in its entirety in scene studies, uh, but that's not the same. You know, I really want to see the whole thing. Anyway, it, it's been real. It's been fun. We should do our final uh, little uh, tag at the end, which is our L.A. Spotlight. L.A. Spotlight. Uh, yeah, the Hollywood Fringe Festival is wrapping up this weekend and uh, was a success given the limitations and COVID and all that. Um, I want to give a little shout out about myself and something I'm working on uh, is I'm producing a show that goes up September 8th, 17th and 18th at Sacred Fools. It's called The Word. It's written and performed by Victor Isaac. Uh, he won the 2018 uh, Best Solo Performance at the Hollywood Fringe Festival. Woo -woo. We're, 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 uh, and it is a lovely, funny, like hilariously funny and really moving uh piece about forgiveness uh especially forgiving yourself it's about redemption i think um, i've seen it three times and it's always different mm. even though it's the same shit like it's always different and he's just he's genius and we love it's it it's great yeah so um september production. 17th and 18th check out sacredfools.org it's uh, donate what you can uh both live and in person uh but also streaming so you can watch it uh, anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world um, for uh, a modest donation. Yeah, that's all that's I got. That's amazing. Do you all have anything from uh, the L.A. area, Siege, Kel? Not me. 
Mm. No? The only thing I got is the Pasadena Playhouse just announced our uh, season. We're doing Head Over Heels, opening November 14th. It's uh, an immersive style musical, so everybody will actually be able to be at the party, dance along, have a good time. You've been talking about this a lot lately. I cannot (laughs) wait for it. It's going to be super fun. Right, yeah, and it is... I, I don't know for sure exactly. I haven't been in any production meetings if it's like true immersive or if it's interactive. So I right. will find out. So maybe I should stop using the word immersive. Um, but <laughs> that's been our show. Thank you for joining us for part two of Top Pod Under Pod. Uh, Join us next week for our next in stuff. It is a Scott pick, which is uh, what? Scott. Oh, we're going to talk about the work and life of Alejandro Jodorowsky. Yeah, and we recorded it like three weeks ago, so I don't remember <laughs> shit. <laughs> uh, but get ready for it. Um, and then after we finish that that up, we will begin our next playwright. Uh, we haven't had anybody guess, so I guess I'll just... What? Send it to the to the end stuff. Well, no, because we already recorded it. I don't know. No one guessed it, so I'll just announce it. The name of the series is Pot of Gabbler, and it is so good. <laughs> Pot of Gabbler, it's great. Pot of Gabbler, it's Henrik Ibsen. Mm. Yay! Ibsen. One and only. <laughs> Ibsen, Ibsen. Uh, we're very excited about it. Join us for that, and then we have another end stuff after that. But we'll talk about that later. So uh, let's close it out. Yes. Uh, do y'all have questions, comments, suggestions? Do you have things to add to our discussion? We would love to hear from you. You can email us. You can reach out via Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Scott? Thank you, CJ. Uh, huge shout out to Ryan Thomas Johnson for writing our theme song. Our theme song is better than your theme song. It's true. He also writes all of our stingers, and he's also a hell of a guy. Uh, also, a big shout out to Pam Quinn, who wrote our Susan Laurie Parks centric song, which you are about to hear. It's marvelous. It's beautiful. Stick around and check it out. Uh, and finally, to the great Annie Baker for writing every single episode of our podcast. Uh, she has a Pulitzer Prize, but she has no idea that she writes our podcast. Uh, but one day, Annie Baker, we're going to buy you a beer. That's right. And we should say that even though Pam did write the song that you're about to here at the beginning of this episode we inserted a song by susan laurie parks sung by susan laurie parks i hope you enjoyed it if you didn't realize that was her go back and listen to it and listen to the lyrics and uh i think you'll like it and then re-listen to the episode and then re-listen to the episode three times it really helps our numbers uh uh, kelly how can people follow you support you where you at Yes, well, I am mainly on Instagram at AfroBohemianNymph, or you can definitely follow my Hello Hollow Queen uh, Halloween page. <laughs> yes, yes. We, we also tagged her in our uh, 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 picture, beautiful picture of her, and uh, in our Instagram, and we tagged her in that. You can follow her from there if you need to as well. Uh, and we'll keep you updated on things that she's doing, and we'll bring you back. Yes, yes, yes. so much fun. I love it. Thank we'll you. send you season three list of playwrights, and yes. some of them okay. are musicals. You might be into that, so just let us know uh, what you're feeling, and we'll Definitely. have you back. Thanks for joining us, Kelly. Glad to be here. It was a fun two weeks. Uh, Plus. Follow us on all the things. Rate, subscribe, review. We love you so much. Uh, Mouths and butts. They're the, the same. same thing. <laughs> the same thing. Same damn Evidently. thing. <laughs>
Evidently. If you need to know why, if you like really need to understand what that is, you need to Google deuterostomes. I know that's hard to spell. <laughs> oh no. It's hard to spell, but if but it, if you just like sound it out or just say it to Google at this point, you can just say it out loud to Siri or somebody like that. Deuterostomes. Actually, my 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 uh my Google phone just lit up when I here. Hey. <laughs> Let's try You've it. got it bookmarked. <laughs> what is a deuterostome? Oh no. According to Wikipedia, deuterostomia are animals typically characterized by their anus forming before their mouth during embryonic development. <laughs> well, sure. So if you you have to go deeper into that, but there you'll you see at some point that they are they're the same thing. We're like tardigrades. That's right. Because sure, yeah. your butt and can also become your mouth. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> hashtag human centipede. Okay. Oh, no. We love you. I, I'm going to cut all this out. All right. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're dishonoring Susan Laurie Park. Maybe that's true. We should be more respectful. Maybe she would be laughing. Uh, this is a blast. Uh, I, I loved rereading her stuff. You guys are awesome. Thank you. You'll steal another. Hey, brothers, we got work to do. Since when did you become me, mother? <laughs> hey, quick, you're squawking. Who asked? There's something 